0: Well, hello, and um, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Um, If Father's Day for any reason is a difficult day for you, then our thoughts uh, are with you today as well. Um, But uh, I have preached before on Father's Day, but today is a new experience for me because um, during the 9.15 service while I'm preaching today, I'm gonna be at home in bed. Um, During the 11.15, I'll be preaching while I'm eating a bacon sandwich. And during the seven o'clock service, I'll be preaching while I'm enjoying a beer. So if you're watching that one, cheers. Uh, Good to see you. Today, we're going to be continuing um, a talk series based on the fruits of the spirit. We're looking um, at the book of Galatians in the Bible. So if you've got a Bible, grab that now. Turn to chapter five and uh, verse 22, where it says the fruit of the spirit is love. Love is the first of a bunch of fruits, alongside alongside others like kindness and goodness, um, that this this passage describes, um, and it, and it talks about how the way that love really is the one that encompasses all of these other fruits. If you skip back a few verses, it says, "You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled." In keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. To love others is a fundamental part of being a Jesus follower. Jesus' friend John said, By this, everyone will know know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, the word that's translated as love in all of these verses, um, it comes from this Greek word agape, which describes this particular kind of sacrificial committed love. And as we all know, that kind of love is a hard thing to give. I don't know about you, but during the lockdown period, I have been reminded um, that I am more than capable of acting unlovingly, even to people that I care about the most. The whole thing of um, homeschooling quickly exposed my lack of of patience and unloving attitude at times. And Abby has said to me on more than one occasion um, during the lockdown, I love you but I'm finding it difficult to like you today. Love is hard enough when we're focusing on our nearest and dearest, um, let alone people who mistreat us or people who we don't find so lovable. But what's amazing about Jesus' love is that it is unconditional. In Romans chapter five, it says that um, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us and he caused us to do the same. This is how we know what love is, it says in 1 John. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. I heard an example of this recently. The Open Doors charity reported how a church in the eastern province of Sri Lanka had been um, facing ongoing opposition from their Hindu neighbours in the surrounding area. And their pastor and his family had even been beaten stoned and had garbage pelted at them um, last year. Seven months later, when COVID hit the community, which mainly comprised low-income households, nobody had any food. But the church was able to secure aid and they went out and they distributed dry rations to 100 families, including their attackers. They were absolutely stunned and they said, the church could have just helped their own believers. They didn't have to help us, but they did why do we do so much against them? It's inspiring, isn't it? And it begs the question, how can we love people unconditionally love like that, like the way that Jesus does, even when people hurt us or judge us, even when they get under our skin or cheat us? And the advice that um, this letter of Galatians gives us is to do that by investing in, in cultivating love alongside other virtues in the same way that you might cultivate fruit. If you think about a piece of fruit hanging on a tree, you know, once it's, once it's grown, it's available to anybody who walks past. Just as Jesus' love is available to everyone, to you, to me, to anyone else, a tree doesn't withhold its fruit from anyone. A sinner can pick a piece of fruit from a tree as easily as a saint. And so if we want to love like Jesus, we must invest as a tree does in the process of cultivating love like a fruit. Now, before we dig into this Galatians passage, um, it's probably worth um, mentioning that you might have noticed a few sort of phrases in the passage that I read there, um, phrases like walking in the spirit. Um, It talks about the ways of the flesh. It talks about being set free language that might not necessarily make that much sense. So it's probably worth just spending a few minutes looking at the context of this book. Galatians was written by um, the church um, planter, Paul, to a bunch of churches in um, a region called Galatia that he'd visited in, um, in modern day Turkey. And he wrote this letter mainly because he was concerned about reports that the church were drifting away from the true message of Jesus, um, and and a good chunk of this letter is basically one big telling off. Um, at one point, he tells them that they're foolish, um, and then elsewhere he he's, he expresses concern, saying, "Evidently, in chapter one, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ." The problem that he was talking about was that the the Jewish um, the, the, the Christians in the church who'd come from Jewish backgrounds. They were telling the non-Jewish believers that to be truly righteous in God's eyes, you didn't just have to be a Jesus follower. You also had to to adhere to the old Jewish rules about things like only eating certain foods and being circumcised. And Paul strongly disagrees with this. In chapter two, he, he highlights, look, I've already had this argument with Peter. You know, Peter, the friend of Jesus, Peter, the guy who walked on water with Jesus. And I'm telling you, what I told him. Us Jewish people, we know already, he says in chapter two, that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And he continues, because the works of the law, by the works of the law, no one will be justified. So he argues that Israel's national history, um, which you can read about the Old Testament, basically, story, it documents how the law had showed God's people a way to live and it had highlighted where they were falling short. But the law itself had never had the power to really set people free from what Paul calls the flesh, which is his way of describing basically the the state of sinful human nature that we are each born into and which had led that nation time and time again away from righteous actions and towards their own self-centered sinful actions. And so he warns them, if you make people live under that old law, you know it will just lead them to the old ways of the flesh. It will lead them back to temptation. And then in verse chapter 3, verse 3, he says, are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? And he goes on to explain that when we give our life to Jesus in Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, We're set free from all of that. And we're given we're given all that we need to live a flourishing life if we choose to embrace it. And so hopefully that little bit of context there explains how then when we get to chapter five, he continues to say, um, he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love for the entire law. Is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. So the question for them and for us today is how do we embrace that command? How can I be a loving person? How can I love people the way Jesus does? And as we've kind of alluded to at the start, a key pre- principle to understanding this is that love it is a choice, but it's not a choice that we make instantaneously. It's a choice that we make over time, we have to commit to it. The sort of the sacrificial, committed, agape love that we're talking about, that that undeniably Jesus-y kind of love, it only grows in our hearts over time, in the environment of a willing heart and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's less like choosing to buy strawberries from the shop and it's more like choosing to grow them in your garden. Love is the product of a process. That process, it starts when we first encounter Jesus' love, when we hear the message of the gospel. Um, It takes root in our hearts as we then get set free by Jesus um, and we are born again. And then it continues to bear fruit as we commit to a lifestyle day in, day out of walking in step with the spirit. So if we want to grow in love in this area, if we want to be um, a more loving person this time next year than we are right now, it's perhaps helpful to reflect on on that process and assess if there are parts of it that we need to push into and engage in. Do you need to encounter the love of Jesus? Because we can't love like Jesus until we have encountered the love of Jesus. We cannot give what we haven't first received. John, um, Jesus' friend who described himself as, as, as the one who Jesus loved, he said, we love because he first loved us. I remember years ago, whilst working um, as an engineer, I was sent to survey this massive rural site. And I remember toward the end of the day, um, I walked into one last field and I, and I encountered this, this like 200 metre long um, bush hedgerow that was dripping with perfectly ripe Blackberries. I've never seen so many in my life. And it was, it was just one of those, I just, I remember just standing there in amazement, looking around. You know that thing where you see something amazing and you want, you're looking around for somebody to share the moment with. And then quickly, I, um, I excitedly spent the next hour filling my rucksack full of these Blackberries. Even my hard hat that I was wearing, I filled it because I wanted to take home not just enough for myself, but enough to share with others. And that's what it is to encounter the love of Jesus, his unconditional love, the message that he loves us enough to lay down his life for us. That's the place at the cross where we find enough love, not just to fill our own hearts, but to share with others. And so if it's been a while since you felt the love of Jesus and encountered that, I just want to encourage you to make it a priority to do that today You know, find some time after this. Sit down. For example, read um, John's Gospel and chapters 13, 14 and 15 and just allow yourself to encounter and experience his love. And if you've never done this, if you've never encountered the love of Jesus, um, in a moment we're going to give some space for you to do that, perhaps for the first time. And I'd also recommend that you sign up for the Alpha course that they mentioned earlier. And you can find out about all all it is to receive his love. I'd encourage you to take a step towards encountering the love of Jesus today. I recently heard about um, one person who's done this recently, James, one of the residents at the Carpenter's Arms, um, this amazing Christian drug and alcohol rehabilitation centre. And uh, hopefully they're watching today. Hi there, guys. Um, And James wrote and he said, prior um, uh, to coming to the Carpenter's Arms, my outlook on life had become cynical and stagnant mired in a world full of discontent, drunkenness and depression. James, he he drifted away from an understanding of God and a faith that he'd had in earlier life. And despite God sending various people to try and help him and support him and help him um, through his um, addiction, he was struggling. But he writes, on the 29th of April, 2020, after being at the Carpenters for about 12 weeks, I finally dropped my stubborn defensiveness. There was a divine intervention as such, he says. And he said, I just had to look down the path of life to realise that the intervention had, had always been there. I was just blinded. He describes how he prayed with his key worker and he committed his life to Jesus. And he said, it was an overwhelming experience. I was emotional and yes, as cliche as it sounds, I felt a burden removed from my spirit. Now I see why they religiously use the term born again. It was and it will remain a day that will resound with me for the renewed hope and joy that now fills my being. Isn't that amazing? When we encounter the love of Jesus, it changes our heart and we get set free. And that's the next part of this process. Do you need to be set free by Jesus' love? When we see that Jesus loves us enough to die for us and when we believe that he rose again something incredible happens within us. Our flesh, our old, fallen, sinful nature that Paul talks about, it dies. It's crucified with Christ. And then we are born again and set free. In chapter five, verse 22, it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This was what happened to Paul, the guy who wrote this. Before he encountered Jesus, he was hunting and persecuting Christians. He hated and abused them. He even approved of killing them. But after that, he was set free when he encountered Jesus. To love like Jesus, we must be set free by him. But, to, but the journey of them being a loving person doesn't end in that moment of freedom. We must also learn to walk free. Do you need to push into walking free? In verse 13, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather, serve one another humbly in love. When the Bible describes um, the way that we are set free, it uses different kinds of language, like uh, born again. It says we die to sin. It says that the flesh is put to death, like it says here. And it's using different physical words to describe essentially. A spiritual experience. And because of that, lots of different theologians over the years have tried to debate and and, and try and pin down exactly what in practice this freedom means for us. But um, one thing that they all agree on is that all of us still sin, even though we are free. Because whilst those of us who choose to follow Jesus have been set free, each day we have a choice about how we're going to use that freedom we're still capable of sinning. When a prisoner is set free, in order to live free, he or she has to walk free. They have to live a lifestyle that befits that freedom. Because freedom invariably means choice. If you think back to the moments um, where you were afforded new freedoms in your life, maybe when you got your first car, or your first pay packet, or the first time you went into town with your friends as a teenager, You chose how to use that freedom. And I remember for me, that moment was so often influenced uh, by the companions that I shared it with. Some friends would tend to lead me towards expressing that freedom in virtuous ways, um, whilst others had a way of steering me towards uh, mischief and, uh, or as Paul might say, indulging in the flesh. When we get set free by Jesus, if if we wish to live free and engage in this process of growing in love, We have to choose how to use that freedom well. And part of that is choosing the right companions for the journey. That's why it's so important as a follower of Jesus to plug into church, even in a time like this, to stay connected, get involved in a group. But of course, the most important companion of all, the one who can guide us the best, is God himself. And he promises to do that through his spirit. He says in verse um, 25 of chapter 5. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If you or I desire to grow in love, um, I hope that there's been something, you know, in this sermon so far to take away from this today, whether it's seeking a fresh encounter of God's love or, or, or asking him to set you free in some area of your life. But I'm guessing that for many of us, the main application of this today will be a fresh challenge to do just that, to keep in step with the spirit. And in the coming weeks, as we work through this passage, we'll be exploring lots of ways to grow in that. But before we go, I just wanna focus on one suggestion about how to do this, and it's about how we start our day. I don't know what the first thing you do um, when you wake up is, it might be make tea, um, do 20 press ups, um, switch the telly on, or expect many of us, we reach for one of these. And as soon as we tap on that screen, um, we're inundated with notifications inviting us into the noise of the day. But I want to suggest what if instead we chose to pause in that moment, in that waking moment for a few seconds, just long enough to hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit offering us his companionship for the day. Take a moment in that waking moment to pause, to encounter his love, to thank him for setting us free and then ask him to be our companion for the day ahead. So that is my simple challenge to everyone. If you don't do this already, I wanna encourage you to try this. Make that the first thing you do in each waking moment for the next week. Um, And uh, I I hope it blesses you. Um, I would love to hear how it goes. Um, But until um, next week, now we're gonna provide some time and space for each of us to encounter Jesus' love.